0: He should have married that 12-year-old girl, you know. Hello, and welcome back to the Popcorn Confident Podcast. We are wearing black for Lena's funeral. Everybody is sad in the room. At least everybody who doesn't have an agenda, um, but we do have an agenda, and it's to dig into everything that's been going on in House of Dragon this week. Um, I'm here with my regular co-host Fami, and we have a lot to think about. This was a very heavy episode, a very rich episode, a very eventful episode, and tensions tensions were high. It's crazy to think that this isn't even the end. This has like regular Game of Thrones season episode nine vibes. So like. How how are we feeling today? What do we think of this episode? Just to start. So we're seven episodes in out of a season of uh ten episodes this season, and I said last episode was my favorite episode, but no, nah, this is my favorite it's episode. It's been dethroned because it's wow. So swiftly, and I go a step further, where from the original Game of Thrones, my favorite episodes were like, you know, Baylor, which is season one episode nine. Very good one. Um uh, when Ned loses his head. Um Hard Home, um, which is season five episode is seven or nine, I don't remember. And then battle of the bastards you know i love those episodes this is up there with them and honestly i think that this might even i have to give it like another week or two to be sure but this might be my favorite episode in the entire game of thrones world it was so good so much happened so much happened you know that's the thing right with game of thrones you have all these amazing compelling characters and they're like in different places but you hardly ever got those episodes with so many big players yeah. all together making big moves, yeah. to, unless it was like towards the end of the series. But here like, we're yeah. in season one, episode seven, and everybody is in one place arguing, almost killing each other. These people are all a family. Like all these tensions have been so well planted yeah. in the writing, and it's paying off in such a gratifying way. Like I saw so many people last night screaming at their screens. <laughs> That was me, <laughs> literally. That was me. It was crazy. And we talked about this like in episode one or two, about how the story was a lot more compact. Yep. Because it was just, it's a, it's a dynastic dispute, basically. So, because of that. Family drama. Family drama. We get to see it on the big scale here. You know, we don't have seven houses, five kings, you know. We're just like one family. And it's shipping out to be two sides as Rainier used the keyword in this episode the Greens to refer to Alison and her brood and if you know Alison's case I've always what been like a you calling green? them a brood like this hey man <laughs> what <laughs> okay Alison's kids that's just, crazy Allison's loved ones Macerese's <laughs> other family Yo, you can see what this guy's allegiance is like, <laughs> like he's hey, not man. even trying to hide it anymore hey man I've been saying it from like episode one or two man I'm team Rainier you know this and I'm also team Damon now by association because the episode ends with them getting married but in classic form, we'll get to that later. Facts. <sighs> I really don't know where to start this episode. There's just too much to talk on. I, like, I want to like flip a coin and just see where it lands on and, and we should just start there. But let, let's just think chronologically just because just it's easier that way. If, if that's the case, let's, let's start with the shade. Uncle Vemond, how far? <laughs> Vemond throwing so much shade in this eulogy. Like, wow, wow, wow. Like, yeah. And these reactions were just too much. Damon laughing too. Comedy gold. Damon literally burst out laughing. This like, guy was like, couldn't take it anymore. this is why I live in Pentos. Like, this, <laughs> this is why I left you people because what the heck? Like it's been 10 years and you guys still can't get it together. Yeah, That is actually, it's actually amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because they start this episode by the water, and it also ends um, by the water. There's a lot of imagery regarding fire and water, whereas in Game of Thrones, it was a lot more about fire and ice. You know, looking at just Lena, she died a Targaryen death of fire, right? Whereas she's being given a funeral in the Valyrian tradition with water. And I think it's a good juxtaposition of the two sides that made her who she was. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of um, imagery with that in in this episode. Rhaenyra is specifically in marrying Daemon, choosing to stick to her fiery side. Um, her children are Valarions, so to speak. I mean, w- w- there's a lot to be said for you know legacy and history, remembering um, names instead of blood, like Corlys said. But you know, I I think. I think that really Renera being Mrs. Velaryon, she wants to sort of shed that in favor of something that gives her more of a Targaryen vibe for the kind of power that she's seeking to maintain in her quest for the throne, in her quest for what is her birthright. So she doesn't just believe it's her birthright. She has literally been, been given this as her birthright by her father. We we've already said so much about how he's not doing enough to make sure that it stays her birthright, but you know, I don't know. I think these days I kind of just feel a little bit bad for Viserys. Yeah, well, I've, I've put aside my Viserys agenda. He's um, obviously he could always be doing more, but he's just been through a lot, and he's like an old man in like the twilight of his years. Like him trying to reconcile with Daemon on uh, at, at his wife, Daemon's wife's burial, is just you know kind of shows or highlights how he's just trying to make peace before he goes. You know, he you can obviously see that he is I, I, every episode i think he's gonna die now because homeboy is just on death's bed or he looks like he's on death's bed everybody's waiting for him to die and the his death could be you know it could be a problematic thing in the world of westeros but um yeah the the, the we're still at the, at the funeral though uh damon the funeral was kind of beautiful i love the, the the duality of you know people's existences because you know westeros is a patriarchal society and they're part of the Part of what happens is that you always like your father's last name is where all your your heritage is derived from. And you see that even with someone like Jon Snow, you know, the fact that his dad was a Stark but his mom wasn't, that, you know, changes uh how he's he's referenced in the north. And uh Leonor's, sorry, Lena's uh death by fire highlighting her Targaryen inside and her burial by water highlighting her valyrian side i thought it was very beautiful again another beautiful character in the world of oh, in this time period in west Jersey history um you know dragon rider vegar has two badass children who can throw a mean right hook uh but we'll talk about that later um, to be clear we don't condone children throwing right hooks at each other but if they do it well i guess we have to commend them just <laughs> yeah, a little man. bit that's a that's a future Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, you know. Oh right god. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, it was a beautiful funeral. Um I did feel for Jace cuz Jace was the only one who out of all his his him and his mom are also grieving even though they're not allowed to grieve because, you know, um Break bones even though was important to, even though he was important to them. They weren't able to acknowledge that he was important to them so they were also grieving as i felt like jesus was able to find a lot of comfort in his cousins because i don't think they've actually met before now because damon has been in pentos like this whole time so i don't think they met Mm -hmm. but they were able to bond over that grieving um at the funeral and i thought that was beautiful yeah uh as far as the funeral is concerned we see a lot of i guess indications as to what the different dynamics are with each person um, and what the different relationships have turned into. I mean, you get to see a little bit of how certain people's way of playing the quote unquote game has changed over the years. Yeah. And watching Venera was very interesting because I saw a lot of, um, stuff about how she was, she was looking at, at Damon, right? Mm. Um, you know, I think that's kind of, in a, in a way, it's, it's Miguel's watching being on, on point, even though people are coming for him about lighting on the beach <laughs> on, on Twitter right now. Yeah, the, the way Rhaenyra looks at Damon at Driftmark, um, after not seeing him for 10 years at this funeral, right? It reminds me a lot of how she looked at him in the Iron Throne room when he returned yeah. from the Stepstones yeah. after three years. It's like yeah. you see the way she's walking through people to like get a bit of have better look lingering yeah. looks on on him, yeah. and she did the same thing back then. It's like, you know, this guy is just so quote unquote dreamy to her. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to think that they're soulmates. I mean, even after their time um on the beach, um, <laughs> when she comes in, and I mean the whole thing with her kids, yeah, apple she comes in and she sees all that stuff but then later on you know she she calls him uncle and in my head i'm just like you want this guy to marry you stop calling him uncle (laughs) okay like you need to kind of pick one for the sake of our mental health as we as we as we watch this show um but yeah speaking of lingering looks how about the way Laris has been staring at Alicent? You know, like, I, I think <laughs> I we, we can find no shortage of words to describe the way he's gazing at her. But I've seen some people kind of theorize that he might be a little bit in love with her. And in, in the books, he's more of like an enigma, sort of like uh Baelish or Varys that's harder to read but here it's like okay maybe he's not harder to read maybe he's just a weirdo that like is trying to kill his whole family just for her sake people think he might be a little bit in love with her I mean he's he's really I mean he's out here offering more crazy favors like Towards the end, he's like, oh, you know, this was an injustice. <laughs> Bro, who asked you? You just say a single thing this episode. And yeah. now you're coming here to talk about injustice. Yeah. Nobody asked for your opinion. Offering to help somebody remove an eye. Bro, who asked you? You already killed your brother and your dad for no reason. Yeah. Okay. Now, Otto is here clenching that <laughs> 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 hand of the king. So it's like, he's just clutching it for no reason. And yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. What, what What do you think? Like, how, how are we feeling about the way... Um, the way Clubfoot is behaving and what do you think of Matthew Needham's performance? I mean, though, the performance is a 10 out of 10 because it's like Joffrey in the initial Game of Thrones. I hated the, I hated mm-hmm. the actor because he was so good at portraying Joffrey. Now, this yeah. Clubfoot, it's, he's such an enigma to me really because I there's something that um, Littlefinger told Sansa very early on in Game of Thrones. Well, maybe like season 3 or 4. He was like, what do, what do other people want? You know, something that Jerry told um, um, in succession how does this benefit me and i keep looking at the situation how unfolding. does this serve my interest exactly yeah. and i keep asking how do these how does what is happening serve his interest and it just makes me realize that i have no idea what this man's interests are because okay obviously we can see that it's, it's a it, it, there are two sides to this conflict there's team rainier and there's team allison he's obviously on team allison but if you think about it he knows that his brother's kids are you know, his his nephews and his nephews are Rainier's kids. Why isn't he literally on their side? Why isn't he on the that's side? That's such like, a good question. Maybe he's against his family. Maybe he holds yeah, something against why? them. Why? Like maybe it's resentment for being like quote unquote overlooked over the years. It's like this is your blood, ah, but you're choosing you're choosing power. But, but it's not. It, it's probably deeper than that though, because it can't just be it, about yeah, power. Because you can it, get it power by be. siding with your biological family yeah and, and you'll even be more power even because it's like you're like yeah you know you're one of us you're coming through you keep recording you but like he's an asset to alison yeah he is literally alison's great. i think he's more of an asset to alison than her dad honestly and her dad is like a he's mm. like the say, well her dad is the youngest interesting of high garden. he's not like the heir to high, high garden he doesn't command you know the lands and the people and the armies you know so if, if his if, yeah if her dad's brother says fuck you i'm otto you're on your own. He's technically on his own. So, and if he gets fired from being the hand, he's literally on his own. He has no claim to land or titles or people. But Howland Strong, basically, he doesn't have the Riverlands, but he, like... Harrenhal is a huge castle. It's a huge defensive point, and he has a lot of land and incomes. But I still don't know what he... Just to say he's in love with, like, Alison to me, it's still not, like... That's not enough. Like, you know, that I feel like there's yeah. something else, and I just... I don't know what it is. And I'm so curious to hear what... The, to see what the show you know I'm, i want to know his motivations because on the ship at the end of the episode allison was like he was he basically went to allison and like yo if you want me to take that a kiss eye I, I know a guy that can do that And allison obviously now understands who he is and just told him no 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 i don't need that but i'll need you later on so you can see that like allison is ready for war she has all but called the banners I think she, she's now making peace with the idea that, you know, playing the game dirty is what she needs to yeah. do. She was, she was ready to be scolded by her father after what had happened, yeah. you know, that night. And then he shows up and he's like, you know, I, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> uh, we play a very ugly game. And, you know, now I, for the first time, I, I see that you have the determination to win it. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of Game of Thrones season one, episode seven, where Cersei tells Ned Stark, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. One of the most iconic lines from the series, from an episode that is aptly titled, You Win or You Die. It's the same vibes, and it tells us a lot about how, you know, it's, it's something I said last week. It's not, that, it's not necessarily that um, history repeats itself. It's that human beings tend to be kind of predictable. So the same lines of thoughts, the same greed, the same quest for power, it's, it's, it's all still here. And, you know, speaking of which, ambition and desire are very interesting things, aren't they? Yeah. You know, like Lena said he hates the gods for making him as they did. And Renera tells him in actually one of the kindest moments we see in either show that she doesn't hate them for that because he's an honorable man with a good heart and that it's a rare thing. Yeah. But then, you know, she turns around and plans his murder with the guy she actually (laughs) wants to be with. I mean, did she plan his murder? I don't. I, I mean i know uh there, there's a lot of uh, in fact i just saw uh, there's a lot that can be said to that but i, I think we should save time to dissect that whole interaction because that's the obviously the closure of the episode and that's that's yeah what yeah the show there's much out. to be said there's, there's so much to be said it's clearly more nuanced <laughs> yeah it's uh, that, that but no i i when, when, when um um Lena was saying all that stuff man i just wanted to give him a hug man and tell him it's okay to be you because it was just, like, you could see that, like, he felt like a lot of... Like, obviously, he had we didn't even talk about him at the funeral. He just lost his sister. And, obviously, they had a close relationship because his sister had talked about how she missed her brother. And they never get a chance to see each other again. So, he was obviously broken by that and then the this whole conflict happened and he was and he wasn't there to defend his family and and you can tell that even though they're not the kids aren't biologically his and him and you know Rhaenyra's marriage is obviously not like a real you know it's like a sham marriage as she said but this he still has a sense of loyalty and love towards them and like he was hurting that he's an honorable man yeah he was hurting yeah. that we have an honorable man like Ned Stark was an honorable man who don't want to help you know it's just Yeah, which is why, again, it's, it's very interesting how things play out just from like the story style of the world of ice on fire. It's interesting how things play out by the end. But like you said, we'll We'll talk about that. We'll kind of touch on that. (laughs) So I don't know. I think. Switching gears back to Damon Isn't it just funny how like Whenever he wears that hood <laughs> You do bad things I've been seeing this uh, meme on Twitter About Kermit the Frog When he's wearing a, uh, a hood And that's like whenever Whenever his foul has to be killed Damon just pulls up in the hood And I'm like yeah Yo the, the Twitter streets are raging right now Yo I so that might be my Halloween costume. Just go around with the room and say I'm being Montagarian. Just dye my my uh, my braids like bleach blonde or something. <laughs> oh Jesus! Like it's it's interesting to me. But yeah, I think um, the acting overall was just magnificent beautiful, on all fronts in this episode. Beautiful. I can't even tell who did the best job. Like Olivia Cook, amazing. That's a very Paddy Considine. Like Paddy Constantine is like he's like he's really carrying the emotional weight of guilt in this show yeah he is because he can see how he he created this situation he can see it he should admire that 12 year old girl you know honestly i think i think that you you might be onto something there yeah because he has i think he has more regret than he's letting on viserys calling alicent emma Emma, yeah on his way to bed Was one of my favorite parts of the episode. Like, I actually screamed. Yeah. Okay, like, because he does it. He realizes he's done it. And he doesn't give a shit. And then he just moves on without acknowledging he's it. He's like, yeah, he's tired. Like, good God almighty. He's tired. Wow. He's tired. Alison and, and, and Kristen's reaction is just like, <laughs> they, they did not even, <laughs> even know what to do. Like, they're not necessarily offended. They're they are surprised, but they're no It's Like, I mean, do we think that actually that they almost see him as kind of senile on some level or, i think so I like think do, so. do we think that this is just absent-minded fatigue or do they actually think okay this guy's losing his mind i a mean bit, he's like, obviously but, i mean he's he. there are moments where he he tries to command strength but i think that that is not his like default because you know whenever allison has seen him in his real form whenever like they're alone and he's sitting down on the chair and she's just putting blankets over him you know it's like she knows that homeboy is not all i mean he's he's mentally there but like there's just like a, a he sense can't of, take care of himself exactly anymore, yeah. man he's just like it's just it's it's one of these things man like my grandma like she's still strong but like a lot of the time she she'll call me like three wrong names before she gets the right name and like <laughs> but at least she she after she says it she will recognize she said it and then she'll be itching you know trying to remember that nickname that she used to call me and then eventually it will come out and that's what just happened but the difference is that usually my grandma would care enough to like correct herself for like Sorry, just like I: right, This guy is not even trying to hide his sadness anymore.. Yeah. He, I think he's kind of wondering, like, what was the point of this? You know I think um his allegiance and undying yet weakly buttressed soft spot for Rhaenyra yeah. are sort of a result oh, of yeah. this never-ending love for Emma for because Emma, yeah. she's all that he has left of her. And I wonder if there's a part of him that wishes he wasn't so obsessed with the idea of having a boy all those years exactly. ago because that is what eventually killed her And she could have been alive, yeah. I wonder if he actually has any regrets about marrying Alicent. He definitely does. He has to. I mean, we, we got a glimpse of his mixed feelings in episode three during the hunt when he was crying in front of that fire, which again, amazingly acting from yeah. but i mean how much conflict is he carrying it's yeah. it's it's so he's much going through a lot he's going through a lot and like he's always backing his daughter in era over like his other kids and uh, you see that in the fights in, in the conflict that happened after the fighting in in um the, the the throne room in driftmark but it's uh i think a lot of it has to do for his love for em- emma you know it's been so much time but like i don't think you can ever really heal from losing your soulmate and i think emma was his soulmate and that's part of the reason why He's so fiercely defending "quote unquote" Rhaenyra because Rhaenyra is Aemon. and He says it to Daemon in, in the burial scene, something about how the, your your daughters look just like your your dead wife, and that's a beauty and a curse at the same time. And I think that he sees a lot of that being reflected in his his daughter Rhaenyra. Yeah. Speaking of soulmates, Rhaenyra and Daemon. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Finally, Finally, what seems to be the end of their drama and the start of the rest of their yeah. lives, uh, resolving their their soul ties. I mean, first of all, the people on the internet who are still rooting for them after deriding Cersei and Jamie are still very funny to me. Y'all are making me laugh. Yo, I'm going to say that. Um, someone literally said that, no, they can stand for Jamie and Cersei because Jamie's attractive and Damon's not. And I was like, damn, that's cold. What? Don't let the, don't let the Matt Smith hype catch you, sha, But... <laughs> But I mean, yet yeah, still, Shad, this is, this is a very strong alliance. Um, everybody thought Damon was crazy when he first broached the idea to Fiseris, you know. Yeah. He got the, like, he, he, he said, you know, let me marry her. I'll take her as a dragon marry her in the tradition of, of our house. Yeah. And the response was, you are a plague sent oh, to destroy my life. <laughs> I said that's your favorite line in this whole thing. You're fully <laughs> set sure to destroy oh my life. that line every single time. I'm just dying, <laughs> but yeah, here we are. But maybe Viserys should have listened to him. You know, like we said this in episode one or two. Viserys needed Daemon, and now you can see. I mean, they got married anyways. So the only thing that would have mattered is that the three kids who are like the which is interesting. The three strong kids would have been like Valerians, and then you know, yeah. yeah. It's it's actually kind of crazy the whole marriage thing too. I mean. Like f- first of all, wild as it seems, it really bolsters her claim, it does. and it puts all the Valyrian children in line for the Iron Throne as part of the immediate royal family, mm-hmm. including Lena's daughters, mm-hmm. which really clinches the Lord of the Tides and Rhaenys as firm members of Rhaenyra's side yep. of this conflict because they they they're pulled them. By by blood, yes, and literally because Rennie is talking a lot about blood. Corlys is talking about names. With this, they kind of get the best of both and get the Valyrians firmly on their side. Now, it's also very interesting to me that Rhaenyra and Daemon's union is proposed by her. It shows how much unabashed control she's gained over her own agency Mm -hmm. Um, in the past decade. It she tells the truth to him and herself, and she wants to not just strengthen her claim but fulfill her desires. Yeah. So in her mind, she's a grown woman now, and their relationship is more age-appropriate, yeah. so to speak. So nothing really stands in their way, yeah. um, including, apparently, the terrible optics of doing this right after her husband of 10 years was just burned alive and without her father's knowledge or blessing. Oh. So I guess, you know, I guess, kids, when you get to a certain age, you can just marry without telling your parents. <laughs> as long as... Though if you come from where I come from, don't try to. Don't say it's me that told you to but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's 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 very interesting. But that whole like the Damon um honestly, when I kind of like was hearing all the casting news and everything, I didn't realize there was gonna be a time skip. So I thought, okay, they'll get married mm-hmm. like further down the line. But yeah, when I started seeing all the time skip, like we we might see a, like a marriage this season. I know Bancolet was um, Bankole told me someone had spoiled it for him, and I was like, whoa. When when I just saw this happen, yeah. I'm like, you know what? This was all. This is like what in episode two when he told us that. Yeah. Right? So it was only. I was so it was sad for. Him. Sad, but like you know, at the same time, <laughs> you didn't have to. wait. It wasn't like they spoiled something three seasons ahead. You know, it was just something very. Yeah. Very short. Um, speaking of which, the pacing here is very cool. Yeah. Like each episode is delivering just enough without overstaying its yeah. welcome. Yeah. And I don't. And at the same time, I don't think there's any episode that isn't delivering, like. Enough. Like yeah. I don't think there's any episode that's doing too little, yeah. and so far there hasn't been any, any episode that's doing too much. Too much. Yeah. Sometimes you have that in in series. Yeah. I don't think any episode has overwhelmed or underwhelmed, Zero. at least in terms of story content so far, and um and that's very nice. I like the way they're handling the way the story is actually just being broken to the audience. We have time to process things. Yeah. We have time to reconcile character motivations, and we have time to think about where things might be going. Yeah, which is a very useful thing because you know, that, that's how you build connections to characters. Yeah. I think, um, I'm not necessarily like a TV purist or whatever, but I think it's really cool that, you know, these World of Ice and Fire shows, Game of Thrones, House of Dragon, they really have a way of maintaining the tradition of events television, right? People are gathering to watch these shows. You know, most shows these days, people watch alone during like their lunch, yeah. eat, like eating their, their snacks or whatever the case may be. And all of that is fine. That's really good. Um, it's a new way to consume media, and everybody should definitely do what works for them. Yeah. But I think it says a lot about this show that people want to watch it with the people they care about. People want to, you know, share that experience and make it more of a communal experience. I, I think, I think that's very that's very cool. And the way that that works is the fact that it's given to us bit by bit. You know, we're able to. I mean, that that's how you kind of get invested in in characters over time. You know, you can have the same investment watching if you watch the entire series all at once, but I think the people who tend to remember the most about the characters are the people who have really spent time with them. And that the way you spend time is by doing all this um, reflection. Yeah. Actually, even speaking of uh, these traditions and stuff in terms of Rhaenyra and and Daemon, um, the fact that they do the wedding in traditional Valyrian custom is, I think, a symbol of how they see their union as being above politics and the will of mere men slash mortals, including the king. Yeah. You know, more of the whole Targaryens are closer to gods than men. Logic, mm-hmm. I think it's also the happiest wedding in Game of Thrones. I was going to say the same thing, time, bro. <laughs> so I guess that's about us. Yeah, well, Rob's was a happy wedding. It just ended in tears afterwards. But but yeah, that's the thing. The, the- the reason I'm not even I'm actually going to put this over that one is because those people were killed specifically because, because of they got, got married. married. True, 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 you know? true. So I feel like this is the one wedding where, like, you know, they get married and people aren't necessarily like trying to like they're not in danger simply because yeah. they got married. They're probably going to be in danger for other things <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> yeah. But at least at the very least, everybody seemed happy, including you know the children who just went through the I most know, traumatic twenty four hours I of know, their lives. I know. And that's, It was so <laughs> much. Um, I think. Well, we should... Okay, we should skip... We'll come back to this, but let's skip over to the children. And then we can talk about the other stuff later. Yeah. So, obviously... Go ahead, what's on your mind? <sighs> okay. So, we know who sold Vegar, It was Eamon One-Eye. And he loses his eye in a way that was referenced by his sister in the previous episode. So... Wh- remember how we mm-hmm. said we, we, she has, we think she's prophetic she's been saying a lot of things where i'm yeah. like huh are you foreshadowing stuff and that and she talked about her brother losing an eye in this episode but obviously no one's listening to her we see how aegon doesn't like is so weirded out by the fact that he has to marry her not because his their siblings but because she's weird which just shows how these targaryens think but you know we we i feel like last episode we were introduced to the kids but we didn't really see them on their own might because yeah when they got into the fight in while they were training a lot of it was external pressures driving the fight this time they fought for v one because of themselves and i i feel like there was just a lot more understanding as to how all the kids you know work work and think because when um aemon one eye you know steals the dragon and walks in into the dungeon then i can't remember which of the twins is like it was you and then he's like it was me i'm like damn bro you <laughs> really that guy <laughs> like this guy's confidence it levels went up because he has Vagar, like, man this guy came down from a dragon he's like okay i'm god now yeah basically he's like if you fuck with me i'll feed you to my dragon i'm like bro bro <laughs> my man chill like bro you, you you just you just got the dragon maybe calm you just yourself got here just chill but, yeah, that whole like the children will obviously are now players in the same way that you know in the same way that characters like Rhaenyra are uh, and some of the more established characters are players, and I would even go further to say that there are more players now when they are younger age. Than Rhaenyra and Allison were at when they were the same age, you know. Well, yeah, of course, because they have really vindictive people breathing down exactly, their necks. <laughs> exactly, when you have people like Allison and Rhaenyra out here pushing their agenda, I talked about festering bonds of hatred last week, and it's, it's <laughs> and that sounds like such a loaded term until you realize <laughs> yeah. this is the exact scientific definition of Literally, what is happening. Yeah, here. it's uh, it was it was crazy. It was so. It was, I mean, it was a violent scene uh, to see children. Like you said this when we first started. Like, this is a way more violent time in the in Westerosi history. Give me a we saw a lot of weird stuff but uh-huh. we never saw kids like because i think the youngest we Jace never like saw eight. a seven-year-old yeah. take out at like a 12 year old's eye exactly <laughs> it's we never saw anything like that those punches looked like i was like damn uh, and one of those twins had the, one of the cleanest right hooks i've seen it was like when you punch someone you're supposed to like you know extend and like there's this twisting motion you do with your yeah, arm nah, she she put her back into she it like I, so back into like I was so proud back into that i was so proud Not with her chest with her back and i was like damn but i feel like we saw the, the what the Kristen Cole training does because it was a 4v1 and by I mean anyone who plays like FPSs or any other shooter games knows that when you're fighting a team <laughs> like I play Apex Legend sometimes I'm playing with my friends oh and my like we're, we're trying to fight somebody who we know is very good and we're going one by one and die one by one and that's what these kids Great were doing thanks. they were going 1v1 don't do 1v1s go together and that's what I wanted to tell those you need kids. to overwhelm the enemy exactly because Amen has been trained by Kristen Cole more than everyone else I mean the two twins I don't even know if they've been trained because one of them is a dragon rider. So, uh Kristen Cole. Different. So, we see, you know, Incel Daddy coming back and being a nuisance. Uh, oh, uh, so God. So, Pussy... What do you want to call it? I always forget. So, Pussy Call or whatever? He calls him Kristen Pussy Call. Pussy oh, Call, thank God. you. God. I, I just... Oh, small man, Chris, man. <laughs> listen. <laughs> he's the more big listen, man. <laughs> um, nah, nah. Oh, God. Like, okay, you know what? In fact, before, let me just say that it's sad how Amon clearly wants to console his nephew slash brother slash potential friend, but he has no idea what to say. Yeah. Um, And Jace has no idea how to connect with him either. And, yeah. you know, I think it's worth asking in terms of this fight, who really is to blame? Who is to like, blame? Like, is it Amon for being incendiary at the beginning? Is it Jusserys for bringing a knife to a fist fight? Mm. Is it Bela for throwing the first punch? Is it the King's Guard for somehow being completely absent from this entire situation? That is a very good question because I do not know. Yeah, maybe it's Alicent for stoking hatred between the children, or, or maybe it's Viserys for not being vigilant. Like, <laughs> I, I just who who do we actually blame okay. for this situation? So we blame Viserys because I want to blame somebody. We, we blame Viserys, we, and he's the king, so he's the one person who can't take any blame. <sighs> But as far as the fighting itself, I low-key think it's either Amon One-Eye or the wh- the twin who rushed him, the one who doesn't have a dragon. But, like, because she, because she's mourning, like, her mom, like, I can't even blame her because, like, that is a very traumatic thing. Yeah, but to he makes through. a good point, though. He's like, okay, if you want if you wanted to claim the dragon, why did you claim Oh, no, that's facts. He did nothing wrong by claiming that dragon. Like, anyone could go claim that dragon. And then if you claim the dragon, you can claim the dragon. I mean, obviously, it's a bitch move, but, like, you... He, he, di- he did what he had to do like they've been clowning him for years and then all of a sudden he has the biggest dragon so no one can clown him nah out. the fact that he threw the pig thing back at them was just <laughs> uh, homeboy had those receipts waiting bro it's like he I have was a friend. ready with that one he was ready <laughs> i have a friend who's a mind fan and like he clowned me in 2014 in may and i took a screenshot of that thing every time that mind messes up now i send it to him and i'm like yes yeah. so that is what he, homeboy did he had been waiting for time to drop those receipts on them it's uh, it's, 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 the, the kids, though, I, I, that whole fight was, was crazy and obviously ended in tears when Eamon loses his eye mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden the, the Kingsguard conveniently show up after the knife has been drawn. But he, he was actually fighting pretty well. I think that that's like kind of a sign that I think he's going to be one of the best fighters out of all of them. Obviously, he's older than um, all the other boys and the girls I don't think have been trained. At least not trained the same way. I'm pretty sure Damon would train his kids to fight, but it's not shown to us. Um, I just think that based off his, his personality, he would. But mm-hmm. Eamon at Eamon, it was a 4v1. That's, you lose that 10 times out of 10. But Eamon was kind of holding his own up until he lost his eye. Yeah, his adrenaline was pumping. Yeah, he just got you a know. dragon, man. Uh, until was it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, was, uh, he was, uh, doing a lot. But, um, we haven't really talked about Aegon that much though. Uh, Aegon is like... Aegon. I don't think he gives a shit. Bro, why are you drinking? (laughs) No, do you know, I was actually... I really enjoyed when... It's crazy that I'm about to say I enjoyed something Oda did. But when Oda comes and like kicks this guy... It's like, get up, like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, like, bro? It's really this whole thing with parental styles. Like, you know, th- <laughs> these, I feel like people see the Targaryens as very, um, brash, but really they're tender to their own family. Yeah. Whereas people like the High Towers and like other old houses of Westeros, they, You think that they're very noble towards their children, but in behind closed doors, they're actually kind of like harsh and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you see how Otto treats this guy, which (laughs) in this situation, I guess, was kind of deserved. But Alison is always slapping him around. Yeah, literally, their parental styles are funny. Like you can see how it's going down. Like (laughs) we've been we've been seeing Alison slap this guy all over the place, and now we see where she gets that from. (laughs) It's it's hilarious. The one that killed me, man, is when they were back in the, the throne room, and then. She's crying over Um Amon losing his eye, and then she she just goes to start slapping Um Aegon to be like, Bro. "Where were you?" I'm like, "Bro, like, what are you asking me for?" <laughs> like, how should I you know? Nah, Maz was drunk. <laughs> he was doing his cops. and then Am- <laughs> and then Um Amon one eye was was also like, "Who's? Where did you learn this from?" He points to his brother, and he's like. Me? Nah <laughs> oh that stuff killed me because if I, I well, we're gonna do like a play by play of that whole of that whole sequence in a second. But it actually killed me how Eamon just looking at his mom when Viserys asks us a question. Yeah. He's, he's still looking at his mom, like, and she's like, oh my God, this boy is going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> like, he one more, like, he's going to kill me. Like, it was actually, oh. I was actually really dying because he, while he's still looking at her, he's like, it was Aegon. And Aegon is like, eh? Me? No, like, it's literally, all this stuff with Aegon and his behavior, his teenage antics, like, you know, it, it comes off kind of as comic relief, but I think it's playing a much more subtle purpose here. Yeah. And that's to show us the kind of person he is. You know, he's a spoiled, entitled brat who's being forced to want something that he doesn't really care about. Yeah. Um. And fight an entire side of his own family for it simply yeah. because the other side of his family is even more egregiously entitled. Yeah. You know. So crucially, these ostensibly comedic moments with Aegon tell us a considerable amount about him, about Amund, about the architecture of Amund's character and personality as well. Because by highlighting the way. Aegon is we get to see a little bit of what Amund actually is like and how he thinks you can see him yeah. being a bit more serious in this episode yeah. too yeah and there's there's a contrast in the way he handles that situation with his mom um when Viserys asked where he heard the rumors this child is actually thinking way above his station like he's thinking levels ahead he's playing the game in a way that people his age do not know how to play the game that was actually a very shrewd thing and I think it's easy to overlook but props to him for that I think that um Aegon's response to Viserys's demand However, was wild because I thought that Egon might start saying, Oh, I don't know, or he might be like, Well, I mean, your mom always saying weird things and he may look at his mother, but he's just like, Bro, why are you asking me this? Everyone knows. Yeah, everyone knows. Like, I'm like, damn. That, that, I just held my head like this. Literally, said, wow. I was like, Wow. It was it was it, it played out like Shakespeare. It was just so it was like a play. It's, I'm not he's, like, what do you, he's like, what do you expect me to see? Like, yeah. are you really going to have me participate in this farce? Like, I know I've been drinking all day, but I know what, and I still know what's what here. Yeah. And Viserys, Viserys, the wildest thing is Viserys doesn't still do anything. Yeah, He like, he... he, he... I mean, honestly, he couldn't do anything. Because the in no this one situation, there's not, there's not much for him to do. Yeah. There's not much he can do. But there's not much he would do anyway because yeah. his power is so lacking. Like, yeah. the, the, the support, the endless support he has for Rhaenyra just takes the cake in, in this situation. Mm-hmm. So much that Alicent is, is like, you know, let's do more. And it's, it's, it's interesting because imagine a situation where, like, children fight and a child loses an eye. And then the response is, okay, everybody kiss and make up. Let's go to bed. <laughs> obviously Bro, not. what? Obviously not. Like, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I tweeted um, last night uh, as the episode was starting that, <laughs> that if people thought Alison was angry before, went to the sea, because I knew, I knew obviously that like um, the eye was going to be lost and, you know, just her speech her speech to um to Rhaenyra when she's holding that knife, you know, has been clearly you know suppressing all this rage. Yeah, like she she's been expressing the rage, right, but in a very subdued manner that is kind of prim and proper. But she really lashes out, and that's why she puts her instinct um in the, the next morning is to apologize to her father. Yeah, you know, she makes that sanctimonious speech. You know, where is duty? Where is sacrifice? And it brings up the whole um Nigerian anti thing I was talking about. Yeah. How she's like. I've been doing all this stuff. Where is that for you? Why are you successful? Not even like, okay, how are you doing this and still enjoying your life? Um, How can I do it too? This isn't that. This is like, no, why are you not suffering like me? Yeah. And on some level, you can't blame her for thinking the way she does, but her approach is just very whack. Yeah. Because your goal isn't to win. Your goal is to enable the loss of others. Exactly. exactly. That's your situation. Like everything is zero sum for her. And I think that is really her first problem. But Rhaenyra's response matting like my favorite line in the episode probably yeah now they see you as you are and it's true it's literally true because she she said it she was she was like it must be exhausting you know yeah hiding under the weights of your own like sanctimonious self-righteousness or something like that yeah your own self-righteousness and she's like now they see you as you are and Alison realizes this in that moment it's like oh my god i think i may have overextended myself here and, and then she draws else. some blood, which is very symbolic too. Oh, yeah. Yep. You're using the dagger with the the, the yep. fire and blood dagger. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, something else that, that I, I paid attention to is, well, Damon, well, Damon, Matt Smith says that he likes, he sees Damon as a leaner because Damon is always leaning on doors. Yeah, he's just like watching, exactly. enjoying the exactly. show. Exactly, But the second that Kristen Cole was going to get involved to stop things, Damon was like, nope. That's when he steps in. That's when he steps in to stop Kristen Cole because he knew that Allison was about to overextend her hand. And he was like, yeah, exactly. don't stop this. Renira got this. Renira's is in control of this situation, even though it looks like Allison is. And then she basically... Secured Viserys to mm. always be Team Rhaenyra, no matter what. But at, on some level, it doesn't matter because, like, Viserys was never going to. I mean, we've discussed this. Like, his love for Emma, I feel, translated into the love for his daughter, and he's never going to unname her as 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 heir. He, it's been, it's been what over ten years at this point. You know, it's like he's committed to this, and he's willing to die on this hill because you can see those children, and you can see that they're not black. So obviously, like, you know, something happened there, and uh, yeah. Kristen cole Kristen cole he has a nickname that we actually can't start using yet but i'm going to say that small man chris is pissing me off <laughs> like this is this is really first of all we don't have it we don't have a precedent for that for what to do when uh, when princes attack princes i Are wanted you to punch him in the face when he said that but i knew really that punch me but like somebody needs to slap this guy like slap yeah. the daylights out of him because yeah also, why, how is he still alive? The guy! He should have killed him after Daemon, after, like, he killed Joffrey. Oh, God. Like, we've had it up to here with him because even the whole thing, like, she's like, okay, Sir Kristen, bring me the eye of Lucerys Velaryon. Somebody needs to stop her too, number one. Yeah. And then she says, you are sworn to me. That's treason. Yeah. Bam. Like Literally. that. Treason. Literally. And like, Cut it's... and dry. You talked about your Kingsguard vows before, and now you want to tell me that that's how you think the Kingsguard works? You dumb ass <laughs> son of a bitch. Like, what is wrong with you? He's probably going to kill Harold Westerling, by the way. Yeah. Does he doesn't enjoy taking orders from Harold Westerling, um, the actual Lord Commander of the King's Guard in this episode. But him and Alicent, the two of them, just yeah. made vibes. for each other in their foolish vibes. Like, are you not embarrassed? Like, <laughs> man. Are you not embarrassed? Oh, God. So this fact that she's like, she's pulling a dagger from the king's, she's stealing the king's dagger to hurt the, 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 the future queen, man. The actual audacity. Like, no born you will to do that Attacking Viserys' legacy with Viserys' legacy. In front of Viserys. Yeah, that, that like, that because that knife says a lot. I mean, we've seen, we've seen it take some L's. I mean, that, that knife has only really been successfully used to, to deal with two people, I'd say. That's yeah. the Night King and Baelish. Baelish, the originator of the knife yep. in Game of Thrones, who tried to use it to kill Bran, mm-hmm. right? And Bran was saved by a wolf, and all of that really comes together Somewhere. here because, you know, this whole thing with Alicent and her sanctimonious speech to Rhaenyra, yeah. um, it reminds it's, it's, I, I mentioned before how She's now going to be a lot more sassy. Yeah. And we see that in um there's a callback to that, like like I said before, with the win or you die yeah. situation. But specifically for this scenario, this this is giving the vibes of we have another wolf. <laughs> um Yeah, I was about to say that Arya and Joffrey got into the fight. Yeah. And she's like, okay um Nymeria ran away and then she's like we have another wolf and she kills sansa's dire wolf just because like it's literally the exact same thing and these people man like i remember that's 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 probably one of the one of cersei's most irredeemable moments yeah and i think this goes down for um for allison as one of the worst things she has or will ever do like she really tried to cut the eye out of a child um on some level you can say she's justified to do that i mean she's a mother mothers need to do what they need to do to protect their children but without sense this wasn't just yeah. about the child and that's the issue like i mean you spoke it truly i lost an eye but i gained a dragon fair trade you know it was yeah. well worth it Otto said the same thing like literally it is worth a thousand times yeah. what they should have paid like that eye. like they got this dragon yeah. for a steal for free this bro. is oldest and most powerful dragon alive yeah I mean that is that that is a huge yeah. deal, and they got it for an eye. Yeah, li- literally an eye for a dragon. I would take that trade. <laughs> it's it's an inter- it's an interesting yeah. trade to get. I mean, now we we, we actually see quite a few of the dragons, so, albeit from a distance. Um, but we we, we do see them in, in this episode. Um, since everybody's I there, for like general. five dragons. Yeah, thinking about that, um, I know I I, I made out Caraxes for sure with his Obviously. specific flying style. I saw sea smoke. Sea Smoke was definitely there. Cyrax was there. Cyrax. Um, um, and I saw, um, what's her name's dragon? Rainy's dragon. Melis. Melees was there. I, I noticed what I thought might be um, two other interesting ones. Yeah. Sunfire, who is Aegon's dragon that has been mentioned, but we haven't seen. Yeah. Um, hopefully we get to, I, I think there's a chance we'll see Sunfire in the next episode, at least before the end of the season. Sunfire is um, described as the most beautiful dragon to ever f- fly the skies of Westeros, maybe yeah. ever to have lived in the known world based on what people are aware of. Yeah. He had um golden scales that shone like actual beaten gold in the sunlight He had um light pink membrane. I mean his his flames apparently were also gold. This is yeah like this this is a dragon that looks like it was dragon. made for royalty. It was yeah. interesting. And um Helena's dragon um Dreamfire is I, I think also there because I thought I noticed a dragon that seemed kind of blue. Yeah, so with blue fire too, which is pretty. Yeah, cool. lots of dragons with them. Vigar literally yeah. needed her own literal section of the <laughs> of the island to sleep. Yeah, man. I mean, when Amon comes and touches the first time, and she looks at him, she's like, um, "A kid. He has Valerian blood." I'm like, "Okay." Goes back to sleep. Then she tries it again. It's like, "Okay, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm actually going to kill you because you're stupid." Yeah. Okay, stupid. Yeah. And from there, he you know, he starts saying to Dohares, which is, I mean, I wasn't, int- I think at first glance, you're not sure that that might work for him. Like, unless you know what's going to happen, you're not really sure that might work because this dragon has no reason to let this guy live. Yeah. But I think on some level for Vigar, and I know here we're really personifying the dragons and seeing them as like smart and sentient, but I think on some level, Vigar is like, I've lost a lot of people. I've lost a lot of writers. This guy has some spunk. Let's, let's just give it a shot, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> He's here. I, clearly, he has some wits about him. Let's see how it goes. And, you know, the the result of that flight is I guess what we'll call the drawing of the battle lines because that's yeah. where he gets all that um, blustering confidence and everything. Yeah. He basically got a nuke for free. And, uh, smoke. uh We haven't talked about uh Laenor yet. I think we should say that for the end. But, yeah. With Laenor's quote-unquote death, there's another free dragon. So, just, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens to that one. That is, that is worth pointing out. Um, yeah. It's interesting, though, because I think what we've kind of been made to feel so far is that the bonds between Dragon and Dragon Rider end with the death of the Dragon Rider, right? Or maybe the death of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. But Lenor is not actually dead, um, based on what we see in this episode. I wonder what that's going to be like for the potential claiming of, of Sea Smoke. Yeah. But I think. Also, if the person isn't there, then it is what it is. I mean, we've never really seen much of a situation where one person where more than one person rides the same dragon, but at least not without not without that other person being present. So yeah. Helena talks about dragons of flesh weaving, dragons of thread, the hand turns. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, as you said, she mentioned in episode in episode six that, you know, that, that, that when let me put it this way when Allison tells Amon that he's going to have a dragon eventually that he will fly a dragon Helena says but well, he will close one he-, he will close one eye and we see what that means here so now with this new thing of dragons of flesh even dragons of thread, I wonder what exactly she's talking about but yeah. the fact that she adds the hand turns at the end of that makes me wonder if that's a statement about Otto maybe being responsible for whatever war is coming yeah so we were talking a bit earlier about uh, you know all the dragons that are how the lines are being drawn in the sands and the blacks versus the greens, which was also one of the things that Helena said in her like you know when she was playing with that spider. Um, mm-hmm. but another part uh, part of that team black that we haven't talked about this episode is uh, the Valerians. So yeah, we've talked about how Lena's death and its effect, but we haven't talked about them as players. Because Rainey's again one of my favorite characters. I was talking about, I talked about this a few episodes ago about how she's has she, has she has a very honest understanding of the realities of the realm. Because again, she could she to be fair should have been the queen, but she looked world for Viserys. I think she, yes, I think she's the only person left in or the, the only person in existence on this continent that has actually sincerely given up playing the game. Like she's yeah, given up playing the game completely, she is. and she was she had done that because she just wants her kids to be safe, and to from her viewpoint both of her kids are dead even though we know one of them is still alive but she had that conversation with Corliss about you know uh, ambition or oh, ambition and legacy and I, I think Tyrone Lannister would love Corlys because he's also talking about legacy every every second he every chance he gets yeah but you know the rich men love their legacy don't they literally uh, and we see that Corlys doesn't he knows that because he's obviously talking about like succession and power and all that kind of stuff and and Raines is like yo we know those kids on ours we you should name our daughter our daughter's kids as heirs and he doesn't want to do that and I just think that that is so funny because his whole claim to power is through the very same law that he's hesitant or not the uh, very same law it's, it's through the very same precedent that he's trying to ignore mm-hmm. he wants his grand, quote unquote grandkids to sit on the throne being called House Valyrian, mm-hmm. and like overlooking Rhaenyra's oldest sorry Rhaenyra's um, brother Aegon who'll be the, who's the first male child but he doesn't want to do the same thing for his siblings, you know. And it's just like there's an irony in that. And Rainy's is just showing how she's she's not playing the game, but she understands how the game is played. Yeah, and she's not letting ambition or pride stand in the way of of of, of you know what what is reality. And it's so it was so sad that scene when she saw the body and thought it thinks it's her her son. Man, I I felt for her, man. She she needed a hug. I think that's probably what's going to like ignite the spark of war for her again, like, it's like, okay, now I've lost everything. You decided to take my son. Fine. I'm back in the game. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But yeah, I I see what you're saying. While this is regal ambitions for his family, I think aren't just about Rini's, you know, she's over it, like you just said. And I think a lot of us have been able to see that for some time. You know, him saying I'm doing it for us and her telling him to shut up and be real (laughs) was funny and probably needed. But you know, what do we actually think? Because you know, can't we say he's right on some level? Like, is he just trying to get what his family is owed? Doesn't it make sense that, his love for her, his desire to be her champion, and his quest for power and influence are all just one big intertwined ball of frustration at this point. Yeah, I mean, how righteous is he really? Because, I mean, he's, he's, he's building a bond with Venera's sons. We see him talking to Luke in the episode. And I think it's not just about them, this bond he's trying to build, but it's also about him and his subliminal desire to accept Lena for who he is, or at the very least, come to terms with the notion that legacy isn't always exactly what we plan. I mean, what do we think of Rainey's shutting Venera's sons out and not seeking to, dis- uh, to, to inherit them? Like, she wants to disinherit them. I wonder how that's going to affect their relationship. And, I, I mean, the relationship between her and Corlys, since they yeah. see different paths for the legacy of the Velaryon family, Yeah, you know, their marriage, um, their relationship is definitely like the strongest marriage slash relationship in the show by far. I don't know if this is going to shake them. I don't know if the loss of Leonor is going to kind of make them of one mind regarding all of this. But yeah, like is Rainy's being too harsh, um, to Renara's side and is Corlis being too focused on legacy? Like, you know, him saying he's doing it for her, sure, it's disingenuous on, on a lot of levels, but can't that be true? while he's also trying to fulfill ambitions for power like can't it just be all of the above what do you think no i don't think it can be all of the above because it's it's i think it's literally one or the other because if let's just assume that um corley's and and rainies decide to um on um, honor their daughter lena by naming her children heir the question is not going to be asked why and then all of a sudden rainier's claim is going to come become heavily contested because there's now going to be a situation where Rhaenyra's kids are obviously not um, her husband, which is why um, you know the Valyrians have like almost like dis disinherited uh, their son. But at the same time, if Renira's queen, then she can just legitimize her children, so it makes no difference at the end of the day. But exactly. yeah, I, uh, it's it, it's it's one of these things where I think like obviously there is a there's a space for compromise where everyone is happy. But as we we can tell, like. I don't. I don't see how 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 that happens. It just seems like everyone wants what they want, and, and more than that, they want to see the other person lose. So, uh, how is all all that going to come together? I don't know. But I think like the only thing we haven't talked about is uh, well, two things. One of them, which is a, just a brief side note, how even though Alison has done all these shitty things to Rhaenyra, and probably Rhaenyra has done shitty things to Alison, but obviously I'm Team Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. She said that she doesn't believe that Allison is capable of killing um, the Strongs. I mean. To be fair, Allison didn't kill them. It was Clubfoot. I just feel like I just wanted to point that out because... Th- that I, is huh? true. You don't know what Allison is out here doing, man. <laughs> Lena's Escape is a, a great instance of adaptation in the story sort of filling in the gaps for the history books. Yeah. You know, because... First of all, it's really cool and funny how Damon is involved in something like this again because this is giving Rhea Royce somehow. Yeah. Um, but um, it's a comforting writing decision because the world of Ice and Fire doesn't usually spare people like Leno, not just in terms of his sexuality, but in terms of wanting to forge their own path to freedom from what is essentially imposed obligation. And I, I feel like we can trust the way this story is being adapted so far. I think that they've done Everything in a very efficient and effective way, mm. especially with with the characters, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. With Rhaenyra's plan being to free Lena rather than to kill him, we kind of get a sense of connection with her as an as an audience that maybe people were losing. Yeah, because you know this this episode really made it, it's it's like the biggest emotional roller coaster that we've seen so far. Yeah, like in one moment you're rooting for somebody, in the next moment you're like yelling at them it's like, why did you do that? How could you do that? Yeah. Um, we see that with uh with Amons, <laughs> um, where it's like, I, I don't know, he's you, you want this guy to be happy, you 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 kind of like that he's able to fly his dragon, but then you see what that power does to him. We've said before that power corrupts, right? Yeah. Um with Renera in, in her case, you know, we let, let me say like I, I think people were kind of people may have been worried that her Ambition was going to drive her to kill somebody who she had no reason to kill. Somebody who was, you know, very loyal to her. Somebody who wants to remain loyal and, you know, sort of reconfess his um, intentions to be the person that she needs. And you can see it from the look on her face. Uh, Darcy is doing this so well. Like when look at when look at Renera's face, it's like, okay, I really appreciate this. I admire this. I'm impressed by this. But then she's also like. No, damn it, though. I'm how am I going to get demon? <laughs> like, I'm good, well, though. What are we going to do about this? <laughs> yeah, like I, I think, um, I, I think just Rhaenyra's move there was, um, was genius, as was her move in the in in the hall when when they're trying to figure out how the whole bastard thing came up, and Viserys is yelling at people, which is something he probably should have done more in his youth. Rhaenyra's move, like I said, was was shrewd because. Depending on what Amon said in that moment, because she was the one who's like, I think it's only fair that we hear where these boys have been hearing this stuff. Yeah, and that is so smart because depending on what Amon said, she would have been able to end all her ops in one fell swoop, <laughs> in fell swoop, right then and there. Yeah, Venera um, has she she's had to deal with a lot of gossip and slander. Um controlling her narrative for her against her will. But now with Damon and his shrewd ability to kind of think ahead and understand the mind of the people, having all that by her side, you know, she can kind of make those whispers work for her instead of against her. Because if people are going to whisper now that they had something to do with Lena's quote-unquote death, that now kind of makes them seem even more formidable as a joint force that can take on whatever else at might bring. Yeah. I think um, it's uh, there's just been a lot that happened, well, between Damon, and um, Rhaenyra, and even Alice. Sorry, Alicent, um, Lenor, The trio. Um, you know, I, I had seen a message from Banquilly. You know, on this theory on how like Leno and Carl Corey, uh, whatever his name is um the, the plan was for Leno to die, but Leno and Carl planned this grand escape so that they can leave and be together. but I say no. I think that it's what the what happened was the plan all along because Damon killed the guard and Damon had no reason to kill that guard except to you know pose that as a body in place of Leno so Lenor could escape. I think that Rhaenyra on some level is still like i I don't like to use the word good or bad you know to to judge people because I think everyone's a little bit good, everyone's a little bit bad. But Lena is showing her good side by that action because she was um, basically giving this person who she might not have loved in the most like, traditional way uh, uh, spouses love or partners love themselves, but she did love him and thought he was good enough to not give him a bad ending the way Game of Thrones always does. <laughs> yeah uh, so you know he default. ended up rowing in the black water yeah. like Gen- like gendry <laughs> yeah So <laughs> when, when that scene happened at first i was like oh my god demon actually killed him and then when i see him rowing rowing at the end i just started screaming i like how they ended with that shot because yeah, that that's it, it's, it's just really cool like like i said feeling in the blanks that's a genuine surprise yeah whether or not you've read the book and yeah, i think that's that's very cool of them of them to, to do it's yeah. i love good writing decisions um, the only person who we can really, I guess, cry for is the person whose neck Damon snaps that they actually burn. The unnamed person. <laughs> History remembers names, not blood. Nobody's going <laughs> to remember either for that guy. And yes, that I suppose has. that's a bit tragic for him. Yeah. But I guess we're going to move on with our lives. Yeah. And the story must go on. What was your favorite line from the episode? Favorite line is, Emma, I'm going to bed or I'm going to bed Emma or whatever <laughs> it was. Oh, that and me? When Aegon was like me those two it's tied. uh just the absolute went, shock literally this, this guy actually said me <laughs> <laughs> this nigga was like he reminded me of that 50 cents when he's like talking about how um um what's the name of that boxer that I can't read um mayweather was like why are you why are you attacking me mayweather i didn't do shit <laughs> to you with other people <laughs> and that's wild Um, my favorite line probably is the whole, um, it must be exhausting, hiding under the weight of your own self-righteousness. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. But now they see you as you are. Bars. 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 So, uh, so yeah, that, that, that definitely worked for me, but, um, who played the game best this week in your mind? Oh, One Eye. Eamon One Eye by... Eamon? Yeah, Amon, One Eye. A dragon for... Uh, Interesting. An eye for a dragon. To me, that's easy. Like, he got a dragon. But did he know he was playing the game when he did that? He, he didn't know he was playing the game, but he knew he was playing the game. Like we talked about, he's like ahead of his time. He's ahead of the curve. Hmm. You know, so he's... He knew what he was doing, but he might not have under. In fact, that's even the more greatness. He didn't even know what he was doing. He just played the game perfectly, accidentally. But I also want to give a shout out to Damon. Um, hmm, that okay. decision to stop Christian Cole to and, and allow to nah, just own that. I room. know people all over the all over the God world us. were cheering for him. <laughs> yeah, I was cheering for him, but I also like Damon. Uh, who do you who would you say played the game? I'm gonna say Raniira actually. Raniira, okay. I think Raniira made some good moves to yeah. strengthen her side. I think now um if you look at her and compare it to where she was at the at, i guess maybe the beginning of episode six yeah or the middle of episode six or even the end of episode six she's a lot stronger now i think she was a lot things were a lot more uncertain for her then yeah but now she has Damon on her side yeah that's huge she has um she uh, she has like a a strong familial unit with boys that are now being taught what they need to focus on. I know Luke is still kind of sad because he makes a good point if he if, if if it gets to a point where he's ever the lord of driftmark, then everybody is yeah, dead. Everybody <laughs> is dead. Yeah. And that, that is true, sad. but you know, it shows just how young he is because that is really how the world works. You know, the older generation yeah. has to sort of go or move on for the younger generation to take their place and he's he's just not um, comfortable enough with the idea of mortality in, to really accept that that would result in his own power and success yeah but Jocerius has a lot to live up to and I guess in the coming weeks we're going to see how he um how he responds we didn't see Joffrey at all the baby so hopefully he's safe somewhere and nobody stole him uh, <laughs> um but 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 yeah I think I think Rhaenyra played the game the best um I liked when she forced them to discuss where the rumors were coming from yeah kind point. of as a subtle attack towards alicent on her side yeah um that was an excellent excellent move yeah uh, probably even more excellent than marion damon because really if that had gone <laughs> different like if Aegon wasn't the way he was she could have like hit the jackpot yeah um we haven't really been doing this but i haven't the kill count of the episode was seven which wasn't i mean i'm counting animals by the way for kill counts uh so, seven people died this episode. Uh, Which animals? Oh, not this episode, but last oh, okay, episode. Okay, oh. yeah. Last episode, it was seven for sure. I think this episode was just one. That one guy. Wait. Oh, sorry. This episode was one. Last episode was seven. Yeah. My vibe. I had a brain fart moment there. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Episode this episode, episode one was, was one. just that one guy. This uh, episode was one. There's that one guy. Poor guy. God. I mean, I'm sure he died in Damon's arms. That's how he should remember him. <laughs> and then he got burnt afterwards. In the dark. Bro, <laughs> he doesn't even know who killed him. What? Kind, what's his life? Literally, man. <laughs> It's okay. He knew it was Damon, but uh, yeah, that's all I got for this episode. It was so much happened, man. It was like I I need to I need to sleep on it like a few more nights maybe rewatch it to see if this is my best episode of Game of Thrones ever because that that scene in the throne room is almost as badass as the red wedding. It's almost as badass as the night king resurrecting the, the Whites for the first time. It's like it's that good for me. Yeah, it's a it's very it's a very high contender for me. But I would I definitely would have to do some soul searching. Yeah. To, before I decide that it's going to be my absolute favorite, I know one, like just off the top of my head, one of my favorites from Game of Thrones is season four, episode six, The Laws of Gods and Men. And that is the episode that features Tyrion's Trial. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good that one. That episode is one of my favorites in the entire original series. Um, yeah. I don't know if this one definitely um, gives it a run for its money. Um, so if it can beat that one eventually then i guess it has a, a good chance of beating some of the others yeah all right but yeah that is all from us uh this week folks uh, thank you so much for listening um today's show was produced by bankley mokwede wukana mani and Chinidu Haji. heiji extra thanks on the side to regular co-host jibs and to all of you for listening we've been your hosts it and fami and this has been popcorn for dinner we will see you next week And, you know, hopefully everybody's in a better place. They probably won't be, but hey, we can hope, right? So... (laughs)